Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. Good morning and welcome to an extra brecky edition of Thrush and Treasure, the torture chamber musical comedy podcast that sounds not unlike a bull tap dancing in a china shop to Motley Crue. And speaking of unlikable, I'm Aaron, and I'm joined, as usual, by the living embodiment of co-hosts should be seen and not heard. It's Evan the Metal Man. Anyways, guess what? Guess what? I'm being not heard. Good boy. We have our first reporter diva in the studio today, and after 20 years of interviewing celebrities, my, my, how the tables have turned... But don't worry, we'll be nice because we're joined by the friendliest guy in entertainment news with the cleanest record, especially given he started in soap operas before doing (laughs) the clean and twerk with aerobics 80s style, which led this likable lad to seize the day with a fresh start every morning on breakfast TV, mmm yum brekkie, in several countries, mmm yum several brekkies, for which this star jumps from sunrise to sunrise, down under, then up over for GMTV once down under hits sunset. All the while filling those international media award-winning days with appearances on Big Brother's Little Brother, Extra, Hard Copy, Inside Edition, Access Hollywood, Seven's The Morning Show, National Enquirer TV, and more as himself, whilst moonlighting as a cabaret star and actor by appearing in Anything But Love, which is maybe why he played a hustler in Offbeat, plus The (laughs) Dictator, yum, dictators are my favourite kind of taters, as well as playing Albert for over 220 episodes in The Search for Tomorrow. But today we've found a huge Aussie g'day and a wanna cuppa for this curious cat who has interviewed nearly every major star in the morning sky where he's swept the Oscars red carpet, played with Betty White's puppies and, and, <laughs> and, oh, you got to play with puppies. Oh. That's not fair. <laughs> oh, wait, where was I? Oh, yeah, puppies. <laughs> So please help me welcome to our castle's torture chamber this inspiring, home-decorating, marathon-running, prolific authoring, personal training icon who has been a fixture on the tally for as long as any of us can remember. But that's just because without this insightful yet intriguing individual would never know what the Kardashians were doing daily. Jeez, thanks. So for revenge, we've forced him to listen to heavy metal, flip your pancakes and pop your toast for this Swedish cherry pie cereal interviewer who's joining us two cornflakes so we can butter up our favourite American muffin and spill all the hottest tea with the lovably infectious author of Your Home is Your Castle, the King of Brecky, Mr. Nelson Aspen. Yay, welcome to the torture chamber. Wow. This is 10 years in the making, people. Is... 10 years ago, I emailed you and I said, can I please interview you? And you said, not yet. 10 years later, we I hear. <laughs> I think you're ready. I think I am ready. Thank you so much for joining us. It wasn't until you used the word muffin to describe me that I decided you're finally ready. <laughs> but thank you for that amazing introduction. Yep. No, that's it. That's it. I am trying to outdo myself every week. So how are you going? Oh, I'm going well, mate. Thank you. That uh, that made my face hurt. I'm smiling so hard. Yep, well, awesome, you. and thank you for laughing at my jokes, because some of the guests feel like they shouldn't. You totally should, people, please. I put so much work into them, so thank you. It um, always makes me feel better, but <laughs> by the time this airs, I think hopefully on the weekend, you'll be in Australia, but now you're in New York. Uh, next, next weekend. Oh, next weekend. I can't even understand the itinerary that it, it requires for me to get from New York City to Perth, Australia. But it's three flights, 30 hours, um, and I decided to take the preemptive strike of sending my luggage ahead <laughs> because there is no way Qantas and American Airlines are going to be able to get my <laughs> baggage there. So if I want to have a suit to wear on the telethon, it's, it's on its way right now. <laughs> yeah, I see. Well, Evan has a sewing machine, I'm sure. I could whip you up one. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I've always yeah. said, um, it's funny you say that about getting to Perth. I've always said it, that the only thing that would get me to Perth is a kidnapping and a million dollar ransom. Anyways. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a big bias I have noticed over the years against yep. Perth. All my friends who are, are in Sydney and Melbourne, they go, oh, Perth, it's so far away. And I'm like, you know, Perth is no further from Sydney than New York is from Los Angeles. And that's a commute I take 
weekly or twice a month. I mean, it's it's really not a big deal. I encourage everyone to explore your continent. <laughs> Just go back and forth. You know what? I, I have been uh, blissfully ignorant of that over the last 20 years of my association with Australia because I never know what the hell time it is. I just look in the camera and I say, good morning. I have, it's never morning for me, but it's usually morning for you. So I just smile and say, good morning. Yep. That's it. Well, I nap like a cat. So I have like three mornings in a day. So this is technically my afternoon, I think. I don't know. I've had three days. Oh, it's happy hour. It is happy hour, but I have got a coffee. But anyways, we're going to move on. First off, your book is Your Home is Your Castle. But in music, the dressing room is their castle. So what would be in your ultimate rock star rider? Now you interview everybody. I can, listeners at home, just type in Nelson Aspen. I know. Morning to TV and see who exactly Nelson has sat down with. And now he's sitting down with us two morons. Poor thing. <laughs> no, I, and I did. I did. I have any specifications for today? I don't see any special colored M&Ms. No. I don't see any fruit <laughs> basket. I've got nothing here. But uh, no, I'm always just happy to play along. So uh, no, I wouldn't have any riders in, in my dressing room clause, except for maybe plenty of water and before the show and plenty of wine after the show. And and I will say from my experience with musicians and dressing rooms, uh, this was a long time ago before she hit the zenith of being one of the richest women in the world, but Rihanna left her dressing room in the most uh, god-awful, unclean, inconsiderate state of any star I have ever seen. And that's probably due more to her entourage than to Rihanna herself. But, you know, you're known by the company you keep. So hopefully she has literally cleaned up her act. Some juicy goss there straight away. I love that. And that's why I keep Evan as company because he has no other friends. So there's no reputation to then go forth from that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's right. <laughs> well, okay. Now, have you had any experience with metal or heavy metal, glam metal, new metal? The list goes on. You know, no. Uh, until you uh, sent me cherry pie peripherally you know i mean the heavy metal's been around as almost as long as i've been around so yes of course and you know certainly during the school experience you divide into little cliques and just like there are separate cliques of, of people there are separate cliques of people's music so while heavy metal wasn't my peer group it was familiar to me it's funny too while it was never my particular taste in music uh, certain old songs from my school days do bring on a sense of nostalgia. And I was around at uh, the beginning of MTV, and I remember the video for Cherry Pie. I mean, because it was played <laughs> so often on MTV. I can only imagine what that young woman looks like nowadays, but God willing, she's still around and healthy and has changed with the times. And has an open invitation to come on our show, despite what my review may say. <laughs> so as you said, we did Warren's Cherry Pie, which Evan and I went back and forth on decidings. I'll quickly run through this review because it is a tiny bit long, so I'll read it as quickly as I can. When we first decided to do Warrant, it was only so Evan can listen to Cherry Pie for the nine millionth time. So let's hope it's good or else there will be a warrant put out for his arrest. Turning on the Spotify, I listened to Cherry Pie once, then moved on to track two, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which wasn't the elaborate show within show from The King and I, which is lucky given I'd see Red, but I saw Red did make me see red, well hear red, when my ears bled, from yet another power ballad. A later track, Blind Faith, was possibly the strongest song, but that may because my ears are now filled with blood. All I have is Blind Faith. Bed of Roses wasn't the Bon Jovi song of the same name, which is lucky given I'd see red from yet another power ballad. <laughs> she deserves to sleep tonight. Yeah, she does. She's a mother of seven, including her husband, and she works five days a week. Let the ladies sleep. As the album progressed on each of my 15 listens, I kept waiting for my cherry pie to pop, but sadly, it overcooked each time. Here we have a hit song, two ballads, and song and dance man sounding like a training montage, straight out of Fame the TV series, much like the other upbeat songs on this album. And then it slows down as the budding young star hits the audition room door. I'm inspired. I liked You're the Only Hell Your Mama Ever Raised. And I would know because I'm not. The <laughs> highlight for me was the ode to Tipper Gore, if only because those lyrics should be read at my funeral. <laughs> so was the cherry ripe overall? 
Not really. And even if it is ripe, it didn't taste fresh and moist, just dry and crusty. One and a half, two stars, one and a half, two stars, one and a half. It was, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Is that your official rating? That's what you're going to write underneath is, yeah, it's just gonna be just a line, a squiggly line. I don't know. I it's, it was. I listened to it so much, and not once did it ever take me anywhere. Didn't, didn't get nostalgic for cherry pie at all. I did not get nostalgic for cherry pie. Now, Nelson, I know you gave it a listen. So, how did you go? When you said you heard, I saw red, your ears bled. Uh, I I kind of will go with that. <laughs> But yeah, I, I sort of just put it on and, and went and I did some housework. So there were parts I missed when I was running the vacuum cleaner and I had to go out and take the trash out. So I, I did you know, I didn't I didn't hear every bit of it. Oh, I envy you. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I look back on things like um, Aerosmith. I, ca- I can look at that more fondly and nostalgically. This uh, warrant wasn't isn't really nostalgic to me, but it propels me to think of things that would be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, Evan, I know we had discussed this album and trying to decide on a good album that wasn't going to scare poor Nelson away. So why did you settle with this one? Purely on the popularity of the single of Cherry Pie. And I foolishly thought that the rest of the album might be just as good, but it wasn't. (laughs) The songwriting's quite cringy. Um, There's some really dumb lyrics all the way through it. Pretty standard. I think the most exciting part was the swearing. Yeah, yeah, which got cut out because it got refused to be put on the shelves because there were so many Fs in it. They actually released a cut version as a CD to put on Walmart shelves. And it turns out in my research that um, Cherry Pie itself, like they'd finished the album. They they were like, we're done. This is the album. And the label has gone, no, no, you need an anthem in there. You need to write something. You need a rock anthem. And they basically banged out Cherry Pie, you know, in 15 minutes. And it turned out, you know, one of their biggest hits. But (laughs) if you go into the album thinking there's going to be a couple of other Cherry Pies in there, there's not. And I've been listening to other albums and they don't sound anything like that. They don't sound anything like that song. You're listening to Evan right now and he's obviously regretting his choice. Yep. The time I tried to tell him, I don't care if a song is popular. I can get better jokes out of this other album. But he insisted. (laughs) Which was the other album? Oh, no, that was Europe, wasn't oh, it? that was Europe. Two different Europe. And you want to do one with the final countdown on it, but I'm looking at a different one going, the jokes are good on this one. I can make jokes out of this one. This one, I, this one speaks to me without even hearing it. I knew instinctively this would be a good one to do, but no, my co-host insisted we do Cherry Pie. Yep. So I'm sorry, Nelson. <laughs> I listened around the rest of the discography of, of Warrant and even there's a, a new album. I mean, the lineup has completely changed and I was meaning to look up who's actually left because the singer's died. Uh, singer died in 2016, 2011, something like that. But I listened to their latest album as well and it pretty much sounds the same. Like, I can't tell who's missing. There's a, Yeah, there's a new singer, there's a new everybody. Bass player and guitarist, uh, I think, are the only two left. They've gone through multiple drummers. They obviously had to get a new singer. The singer came and went over the years. You know, they re- had reunions and broke up again. And But yeah, the new album still sounds very much the same as as their first couple. Oh, just, uh, oh we won't do them again then. <laughs> no. Other bands I'm happy to revisit, we won't cover these. No, I was disappointed really. I was expecting more metal and it was all, you know, uh, melodic ballads and acoustic guitars and, you know, baby I love you's type stuff. Yeah, I don't need any more power ballads. I know, the whole thing was power ballads. <laughs> and it sucks because they hit Cherry Pie first song. You go, yes, give me more of that. And you don't get it. Kind of annoying. Yeah, having two songs that are named after other songs was a bit annoying. Yeah, well, Uncle, Uncle Tom's Cabin was supposed to be the single. Well, it did it did get released as a single, but that was that was going to be the name of the album as well. Blind Faith was probably better than I Saw Red. Was that the ballad? Yeah, Blind Faith was a, a single and, yeah, power ballad. Yeah. Oh, that was the fourth single. Oh, back when people used to release more than a couple singles off an album. Yeah, tell me about it. Game of War. That was in Bill and Ted. It wasn't on the soundtrack, but it was in the film. Yeah, I was looking at that. I had read that on Wikipedia, which is clearly your source. (laughs) It's very 
training montage all the way through. It's either, yeah, we're training to win or I love you. There didn't really feel like any in-betweens. Mm. And as I've commented on so many times on this show that the stories, the storytelling, the interesting dark topics are fun and interesting and they're unique and they make a better song doesn't matter if it's a ballad or a hard song or an angry aggressive song because it is about interpretation there but when you've only really got those two styles which a lot of hair bands or hair metal bands or from that era were like that which is why Guns N' Roses became so big because they didn't have two tones metallica as well in their way would when they would do something like nothing else matters there would always be a darkness behind it a yearning it it would be something that would reach the audience i didn't hear that in this i didn't hear that in either i saw red or blind faith i mean i heard that oh yeah i love you or whatever standing out in the rain (laughs) in his acid wash jeans and his white shirt that's ripped open (laughs) now did you watch the video for cherry pie bobby brown's in it who Janie lane married yes i did watch it yeah well that that's a classic video as well but actually one thing annoyed me about this album is uh track eight was um song and dance man okay yeah you listen to the last album which is 2017 there's a song called music man where he says i'm a song and dance man ah. and i was like hang on i just heard this song it's the same song again 30 years later did it warrant a sequel no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so do you have an apology for Nelson? Yeah, I should have chosen some something actually metal. Something actually good. <laughs> something actually good. There were some, you know, predictable key changes and cringy lyrics. Yeah. I was like, ah, bugger. <laughs> it sort of felt like they were giving the audience what they thought the audience wanted because that's what everyone was listening to at the time. But mm. it's like with films, it's like, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is working because they're doing it and they're doing it really well, but then all these other studios come out, look at our Cinematic Universe, and they're not doing well. They're not succeeding. Even DCEU is struggling and swimming against the current because people seem to want and like what Marvel are doing. Hmm. They don't need it from everyone else. That's the thing. No. You had Deep Impact and then Armageddon, but if we had had four or five other comets hitting the Earth movies, by the third one we would have been like, no, that's fine. We liked Armageddon. We liked Deep Impact. They were similar but different enough. We don't need everyone else doing it. So cashing in on what, what is popular, I don't think necessarily works all the time because what you're producing ultimately ends up pretty substandard. Well, and, and you see with, with DC, you know, there was a period there where they seemed to be going, all right, Marvel's got their universe, we're going to build our own, and didn't really do it very well, and they just threw Justice League at you, and 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 now they seem to have abandoned it and go, no, like, Joker was a hit, didn't need to be part of a universe, you know, the, you, you know, Batman's let's just keep making Batman films that don't really have to have anything to do with the previous ones or the other films. You, we're quite happy with standalone Batmans. We're happy with standalone Jokers. Just, you know, do what works. Do what, obviously, the money shows what's working and what isn't. Yeah, but their money, not someone else's money. That's the thing. Studios and, and musicians and all that, you can't look at what someone else is doing and say, oh, well, I'm, then I want to do it as well and cash in on that because you are just getting a substandard product audiences are also far too smart these days that we are seeing through things the same with music when there hasn't been a boy band in 10 years suddenly one comes out it's really popular and then you get 50 you get 50 copycats but People won't like what the 50 copycats are doing because they liked what they were given the first time. That You know, they liked what one studio or one one band was doing. So what's good for the goose ain't always good for the gander. So artists and studios, musicians, worry about yourselves. And I think that's where they went wrong. That's the point of all this is they were trying to sound like what was popular at the time. And it it became a one-hit album. Mm. And even then I listened to that one song once, as I said, and every other listen, I skipped it. And skip cherry pie. I skip cherry pie. 
because I was rebelling against you, Evan, yep. for making me listen to this album purely for one song. <laughs> and do you think maybe by bands and filmmakers, artists in general, going with the latest trend, putting out something that they think people want to hear is possibly ruining that artistic integrity in a way. It's putting out a standard product instead of a quality one. Yeah, and artistic integrity might be an oxymoron when you're when you're when you're talking about that. That that's kind of like a a 1980s early 90s version of of uh, social media influencing. You know, if you're just trying to if you're just trying to follow a trend, really that's no different than all the Kardashian copycats. Because say what you will about the Kardashians, at least they were the first. Uh, you know, and everyone that has sort of followed them. Uh, is is doing what what you're claiming they're doing. They're just trying to to cash in on a trend, and you know you can't fault them. Some get lucky, some don't. Yeah, that's a, it's a it is a, a 50, 50 gamble that some do get lucky, some don't, and put all that money in and all that work in, and thirty years later we're sitting here on this podcast going here we are. Yeah, <laughs> you know it just yeah. Yeah, in in, War- in Warren's defense, like you listen to this album, uh, the first couple albums, um, and like they're still going now. And you listen, I've listened to the, the last two as well. In the nineties, they did sort of do a a grunge, you know, what everyone else was listening to type album, and yeah, it didn't work. And they went back to this is what they sound like normally, apart from Cherry Pie, because Cherry Pie is the outlier. The rest of the album, that's Warrant, and that's what they sound like now, even though they've had multiple lineup changes. You know, as Do you mean was. now is in 2022? Yes, yeah, they're still going. They still, yeah, their <laughs> latest album was uh, 2017, so it's only five years ago. They're still around. They're still playing. Many lineup Wow, changes. where do they play? Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have to look up tour schedules, but I'm sure they're, you know, they made a living out of it, and, you know. They're, they're still going. They, they have their fans. Just to, to jump in there, Blink-182 just announced they're releasing a new song, a new album, and a world tour with the original, not original because Scott Rain is not in it, but the classic lineup. Oh, nice. We tommed along back. Oh, what? Oh, my God. Okay, anyways, I just have to move on. But they're not coming to Perth. So I would have found that out on Sunrise in the morning, but Nelson's not on the show anymore. So I had to find out on Twitter. Yeah. Sorry. I'm on a pop culture fast. It's really kind of marvelous. I do not have to any longer keep up with the Kardashians. Yeah. Oh, I I do. I envy you so much because even if I'm not keeping up with anything, I still know what's going on for some reason. Anyways. (laughs) Um, Again, I was disappointed. Like, the rest of the album is what they sound like. If you listen to all their other albums, they sound like the rest of Cherry Pie's album without Cherry Pie. That is really a one-off that was just thrown in, and that's not what they sound like. Was it Bed of Roses that started off with sort of an acoustic guitar? No, it was the um, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah. yeah. When that first started off, I thought, oh, okay, cool. We'll, we'll, you know, Maybe we'll go into that vibe that Metallica will suddenly go into with Nothing Else Matters. No, it didn't happen. <laughs> and the next song is acoustic guitar and the next song is acoustic guitar and yeah uh but anyways <laughs> it looks like jason biggs got to the cherry pie <laughs> oh so we're gonna go to an ad break hey there it's time to get popped on culture the official puzzle hub pop quiz podcast and welcome to game number five I'm your new host, Matt Young, and for today's special theme, we're going to test your knowledge on musical groups, including bands, boy bands, girl groups, and vocal ensembles. Play against your friends, or the clock, and see how you go. Alright, let's get into it, shall we? Game 1. Songs in the Key of Words. I'm going to give you three key words that appear within eight different songs. Pretty simple. If you guess the song correctly on the first keyword, give yourself three points. If you guess it on the second, give yourself two points, which of course means give yourself one for guessing it on the third and final keyword. So let's see how you go. Ready? First clue. Fantasy. Landslide. Reality. That was Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Second clue. Lights. Carry. Home. 
course, that's all the small things by Blink 182. Next up, Valentino, Crystal, Italian. That's right, it was Manic Monday by the Bangles. I was kissing Valentino by a crystal blue Italian stream. Alrighty, fourth, picked, bunch, glance. I want you back by the Jackson 5. How are you going so far? Next up, lady, glitters, buying. A Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. Lonely, Gazing, Window. That one was a little bit hard for me, but that was Waterfalls by TLC. Here's our seventh clue. Walked, Smile, Cool. Of course, that was Stop by Spice Girls. And lastly, honey, bees, envy. My girl by the temptations. And time's up. How did you go in that round? And be sure to check out our other shows on the Bloop Network, especially Thrash and Treasure, where you'll hear incredible interviews with genuine icons of stage and screen. So until the next game, I've been Matt, you've been Popped on Culture, and I shall see you next time. See ya! Anyway, you're listening to Thrush and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Evan, and we are joined by author, singer, actor, entertainment reporter, and fitness guru, Nelson Aspen. What? A fixture of our Brecky TVs for 19 and a half years, which makes my eye twitch. Could you not finish the 20, Nelson? <laughs> they wouldn't let me get to 20. <laughs> no, 19 and a half was enough. I had other things to do. And uh, yeah, it was. I, I worked uh, right through COVID, through the magic of my phone, without ever taking a break for close to 150 weeks yeah. without a break. Uh, I, I'm not complaining. I was grateful for the job, but, uh, you know, it, it wears you down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. imagine yeah. Especially yeah. Um, if you have a history of doing marathons, and I'm sure that COVID was a marathon. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Anyways, you just done uh, recent shows at the Green Room 42. Can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah. Will there be more? Another one of your um, esteemed guests or guests to be, Craig Bierko. Uh, he's the guy who introduced me to Green Room 42. Yeah. I went there to see a show that uh, he and his then partner were doing. Uh, it, it is a gorgeous venue. I've been knocking around New York City uh, music venues since the uh, early 80s. And this is really the most beautiful. It, it, it has uh, seats about 150 people. It's right in the heart of Times Square in the, in the Great White Way mm -hmm. uh, and just magnificent. And I wanted to do a show skewed around my new book, uh, Your Home is Your Castle, which and it was amazing because the book surprised me. I didn't, you know, I just I just did the book. Uh, all of a sudden it debuted at number one on Amazon's home oh, renovation wow. yeah. and remodel charts. I'm like, wow, I better capitalize on this. I'll, I'll create yeah. a, a musical show around the book, uh, you know, it, yeah. telling songs and stories and showbiz stuff uh, that, that are skewed to celebrities and homes. Uh, the whole aspect of your home is your castle or home is where the heart is, etc. And it was very successful, all sold out. I'm heading to Perth, as, as we discussed, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do a private concert in Perth, uh, sort of a, a, a mini version of, of the show mm -hmm. and then i'll come back to los angeles and uh head to uh, head to la when i get back to the states and do the show out there uh, as we get ready for oscar time and i'll be boning up on all my uh award show information yep please um print off some invites to this podcast for the oscars carpet <laughs> and slip it into a few pockets that would be greatly appreciated because um Yes. You got it. Thank you very much. Anyways, we're going to move on to the boyfriend. I've just got a couple of notes on the boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I have no prior knowledge. I knew it existed. 
I knew Sandy Wilson wrote it. I had no idea what it was about. The only thing I knew was that my local theatre company had done it. Someone I was once friends with was in it, and they told me it was a three-act show, though I never got to see it. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. This was a brand new experience for me. And there's a couple of cute songs. Sur la plage, sur la plage, everyone looks the same. That's catchy. And I found myself singing that a lot. And then I found myself thinking about how everyone should shave their hair, but then how everyone would look the same. And I would probably hate everyone because we all look the same. So, (laughs) and sur la plage means on the beach. It doesn't mean like, you know, whatever you thought it might have meant. I don't know what you may have thought it meant. I do, yeah that again it's a hard one to glean the story out of just by listening to the music yeah I had no, I had no idea what it was like an identity crisis until the end of it when he's like it's really me and he rips off the mustache or whatever he did and she's like oh it's really you I knew all along yeah. well it was a masquerade ball oh what's that oh okay yeah I think the whole well according to wiki the whole premise is that um she doesn't she's concocted a, an imaginary boyfriend oh I did that once because she needs someone to go to the ball with and then ends up falling in love with a delivery boy. So it's sort of a classist type story where you've got a, a rich girl falling in love with someone beneath her. Yep. And then she lies and says that she's not rich so that, you know, he can accept her, I, I guess. But what, yeah, my problem was with the story, you know, spoilers, I don't think you can spoil something that came out in 1954, but the fact that the delivery boy was rich. Oh, it's Joe Millionaire. And it's like, oh, it's okay. We're both rich and we could be together. I'm like, oh, good on you. Oh. Yeah. I was I was a little bit put my nose out of joint at the end. It's like it's not the uh the, it's not I was expecting Hill. Yeah, I was expecting a story of, you know, they can be together even though they're from different worlds or or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, what do you know? They're both rich and everything's fine. They're allowed to be together. I just I don't know. Now, can I quickly jump in there? When I said just before that I did that once, as in making up a boyfriend, I didn't make up a boyfriend. Um, I was 15 years old and I'd run away from home previously and become a born again Christian, as I've talked about on this show. And then over the months, I stayed with that Christian church, obviously, but they had prayed the gay out of me, but I knew I was. And I wanted to, to go there, um, stay there. You know, go to church because it's on the other side of the city where, where my church friends were. But I had a friend who was staying here for a couple of nights, right? Because it was the school holidays. And with her permission, it wasn't just something that, you know, I just said, but we lied to them and said that she was my girlfriend. Right. <laughs> because obviously I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have to sit at a bucket again and cough into a bucket with them praying the gay out of me, praying the demons out of me while I coughed up blood into a bucket. It was awful the first time. I didn't want to do it again, plain and simply. So, What church is this? <laughs> Christian church, born again Christian church, right? <laughs> and anyway, so we went out there and they didn't believe it. They pulled her, this poor girl, Lauren, her name was, and, and Lauren, you're not going to hear this, but I'm going to send it to your cousin, and I want you to know I am so sorry. I really am so sorry that you got caught up in some 15-year-old gay kid's torment. Your poor thing got dragged off into a room where they convinced it out of her or they tricked her into to admitting that we weren't really boyfriend and girlfriend because we'd, like, hold hands, but we weren't kissing or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, so they didn't buy it and that was stupid of me well they didn't have faith in their methods obviously no and i just i didn't have faith in myself either um (laughs) so again lauren i am so sorry from the bottom of my heart i hope that you laugh about it today and that you're not angry at me for that because i was just a child a lost lonely child and this podcast has really very much been about me opening up and being raw about the stupid things that I have done in my life and the stupid person that I am. So I just have to throw that in there. <laughs> and and trying to convince born again Christians. That I was straight. Yes. They were not buying it <laughs> at all. Wow. You need to write a book about this. Well after that I became a punk with a mohawk, piercings, I had tattoos, all that jazz. So they prayed the gay all the way out, turned you into a punk. Yeah. 
I tried that. I had a similar experience with uh, after after school. I was such a nebbishy, nerdy, uh, awkward, misfit kind of a character yeah. uh, that I went in the other direction with the with the leather and the the mullet and the like. <laughs> I was like a glam rocker myself. I was trying my best anyway to, to pass myself off as that. But you know, I, Adam Ant was my inspiration. Adam Ant's still cool. Adam Ant is still cool. Yeah, that's right. And who's the other one? I want to say, is it Gary Kemp? Am I thinking of the right one? The Kemp. Kemp. Martin Kemp. The white, the handsome, he's white hair now. I, you know, that was my whole scene. I liked, I liked Duran Duran, Blow Monkeys. Uh, you know, that was my kind of hair band. Oh, I love Duration. And El Ballet. And El Ballet, that's it. Awesome. Anyways, okay, so we got The Boyfriend. Yeah, okay. It's, like I said, it was, I think this suffers from age. Yep. It's just so very dated. And and I mean, when it was written, the Roaring Twenties wasn't that long ago. No, it was only thirty years before. That's yeah, not that long ago. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 an audience thing, I guess. The you know you you're making music for an audience. You know, generally the theatre going audience. I assume in the fifties was the your older population who grew up, or were teenagers in the Roaring Twenties. So it was, you know, you, I could see the appeal there. But now, oh God. I, I don't know. I was listening to it, literally going, what am I listening to? This is, and I haven't to check the years. I'm like, 89? How is this 89? Like, it's not 89. That's no. not. It's That's 54. when the CD was released. Oh, look. You know, it's hard to have sympathy for rich children. <laughs> I'll have to say that. <laughs> and and any kid who grew up without any ever having to worry about paying a, a bill yeah, well, there's a difference between rich kids and rich and famous kids yeah. as well. You know, there's there's that, you know, 1% of the population who were just born rich and have never had to worry about Jack. Yeah. And and it's and and then oh they they found love with another rich kid. I'm like, uh, whatever. I don't care about your rich kid lives. Couldn't give a shit. Um, and the one song that did sort of raise an eyebrow was it's never too late, never too late to fall in love. Again, not being able to see a production like who I, I was sitting there going, who's singing this? Yeah. What kind of age difference? What's what's the dynamic here? Like who Lord Brockhurst? Like how old are you? Yeah. Well, it's a Lord. He might be sixty plus. <laughs> yeah. And played by forty year olds in the show. And I, yeah, I didn't have any context for the song, and it's just sort of going. This is a bit weird. Even though, yeah, it's 1954. Yeah, the voice was grating in that as well. Whoever thought she was. The boyfriend. Because I know um, this was one of your favourite musicals, I believe, Nelson, when I'd asked you for a list. Yeah, it, it was only, you know, it's a sentimental favourite. It's certainly not the best Broadway musical, but it, it's a sentimental favourite because it was my first musical that I ever did. And I would love to do it again. If there's any uh, touring company or, or bus and truck production, I'm, I'm old enough now to play the father. So, but yeah, I just have a great affection for the satire, the style of music and the sweetness of the story. Ah, so I don't know oh, it. Okay. So I didn't know it was satirical, <laughs> and I don't think Evan did either. It is a spoof. Oh, is it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, how much does the 1971 movie differ from what you would see on oh, stage? The movie is atrocious. <laughs> uh, Ken, somebody, a Ken, somebody was the director of it, uh, and Twiggy and Tommy Toon were in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of a visual treat oh if you're on drugs oh yeah it's something isn't it there's a lot of money and a lot of time it's kind of, if you're if you're like doing mushrooms i mean it might be kind of fun to watch <laughs> there's really only a couple of the songs preserved in it and it has none of the satirical aspect uh in the film oh, but um yeah but the, you know, it was broad. It was the Broadway debut of Julie Andrews. It's the film, uh, the show that made her a star. Not My Fair Lady, The Boyfriend. Yeah. And uh, she's directed productions of it since, and you know, in in her later years. So it's it's very dear to her heart. And I've interviewed Julie eight times, and we always talk about The Boyfriend. It's a, it's a sentimental favorite for her as well. Yeah, that's another pocket you can slip an invite into. <laughs> that's a shame because, yeah, I spent all day watching the movie and, and just... Oh, sorry. And just having my mind blown and going, what <laughs> what am I watching? Oh, now I want to. 
There is some really interesting directorial choices in that film. It's, oh, is there? It is something. It really is. Now I've got to figure out uh, who I'm going to. I'm going to. Ken Russell. That's who directed the 1971 film. Ken, oh, of course. Who did? Who did Tommy? Ken Russell. Very different film. Yes, very different. Still a trip. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see it. I can Charleston. I learned, or I used to know how to Charleston when I was 12. And um, we did Bugsy Malone and had to learn how to Charleston in our 12-year-old way. So it wasn't really Charleston. The musical was written in 1953. And so the 1971 film, I mean, it, it's, it was a spoof even in the 50s, of the 1920s and the simplicity and the musical structure. I mean, there, there was a point to its story, its music, even the casting. Uh, and having Julie Andrews, sweet as pie, you know, the angelic ingenue beauty, even the casting was satirical. Yeah, no, I, I didn't pick any of that up. I didn't even know it was an <laughs> identity thing, as I, I said earlier. I didn't know until the very end. I did so wish there was a 1954 pro shot. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Now, it's it's so interesting <laughs> that you mentioned Craig Bioko, which, spoiler alert, listeners, we've got Craig, the Craig Bioko coming up on our show for episode 76 to do The Music Man, because I said all along episode 76 has to be The Music Man with an epic guest. And I somehow got my way. <laughs> I don't know how. But um, so listen, listen out for or look out for that episode coming up in a few weeks' time. Oh, okay, that's it. We're doing The Music Man, which is also a 54 musical. Yeah. And it's interesting, and that's more timely now than ever. You know, the Music Man, is a, it's a good story. We'll find out your response of what you thought about that so you didn't think this was a good story. No, the story put my nose out of joint. But it's just so weird that you brought him up and we just happened to have you guys two episodes apart or whatever and 54 musicals. And I just went and saw Hugh in, in The Music Man on Broadway. I wanted to see him before it closed and, uh, yeah. you know, he's... He's Hugh Jackman. What more can you say? Yeah. So it was good. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a toe tapping crowd pleaser and, and they let you drink when you go to a Broadway show. So you get the big giant sippy cup and you have like <laughs> three bottles of wine in one cup. Yeah. It lasts you the whole show. Now, did they say hussy? In the music, man? Yeah. In Shapoopy. Because apparently they cut it out. They did. They changed. It's it's a very 2022 production. Oh, really? Uh, it's, it, it, it's pretty politically correct. What's the point of Drag Race? Uh, you don't want to offend anybody. What's the point of Drag Race, uh, Nelson? Yeah. <laughs> what is the point? RuPaul is trying. But they still said Shapoopy. <laughs> I Yeah. Goodness gracious me. But anyways, it looks like the boyfriend broke up with me for Jason Biggs. Well, we're zero for two. We'll be back after this message. <laughs> G'day listeners, Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. After barely three hours of light sleep, Toniston Turnbull slowly opens his eyes, his body feeling heavier than it ever has before. Not from extra weight, from tiredness and stress. Polly sighs in the shadows behind him, the flame of the nearest barbed wire tiki torch tower having died down, but not out, while Toniston napped. Are you awake? Toniston whispers. Oh, how can I sleep in this place? Polly moans, turning onto her side and facing Toniston, who stays on his back, imagining obscure animal-esque shapes in the rusted tin roof above them, shadows faintly formed by the nearest dying torches. We need to work out a way to get out of here, Toniston states the obvious. He whispers, despite the fact the nearest shacks to their own are several metres away, and the occupants presumably asleep as most prisoners seem to be. How? There's no fence to squeeze through, or even climb, Polly replies, sitting up in bed and then stretching out her sore arms. The hairs stand on end from the slight chill in the air. I 
don't know, but I think the whole fighting thing is a distraction. You mean, to distract the other prisoners when new ones arrive? No, I, I think that was just bad timing. Didn't you notice? Toniston goes on to explain his theory. That fight happened, everybody gathered around. I didn't see one person who wasn't watching, and then when I vomited, the only gate in this place closed shut. What are you trying to say? I think something happened when everyone's back was turned. Like what? whispers Polly, her voice breaking up in fear. I don't know. That's what we've got to find out. Toniston's brain starts working overtime, but it's strange that nobody seems to want to leave. They seem almost happy. Definitely content. So, when's the next one of those stupid beatdowns? Toniston can't help but think Polly looks tough, almost evil in the shadows as she asks, I don't know, Toniston begins, but both teenagers are distracted by a crumbling noise in the distance. Hopping out of bed, Toniston joins Polly on her own, equally uncomfortable one. Spotting a large, white package hovering close to the cave ceiling, behind it a shadowy figure. The package is lowered down, causing the teenagers themselves to lower as well, hoping not to be spotted by whom, or what, may be operating this obscure crane. Over a long, slow descent, the package is dropped to the ground. Polly keeps her eyes on it, but Toniston looks up immediately, spotting a large black shadow scurry away to God only knows where. Come, he whispers, as he quietly hops off her bed, slipping into his docks with bare feet. Polly follows his lead, Careful to keep watch on all directions, the teenagers swiftly sneak over to the white package, their hearts beating an almost tribal jam in perfect harmony and stopping in their tracks as the sudden realisation of what lies before them sinks in. A woman, seemingly in her early twenties, wrapped up in bandages from the neck down. No, not bandages. Is that spiderweb? Polly asks, completely mortified at the prospect. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Anyways, you're listening to Thrash and Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Evan, and we are joined by the most affable gent, Mr. Nelson Aspen. Now, I've just got a few questions. Uh, quite a few, because <laughs> this is 10 years in the making, so try to get through as many as I can. Um, if you could change one major thing about this press junket business, because this is something we don't have to do. We get to sit down with our guests and chat for an hour or two with them and have a little bit of freedom there. If you could change something and shake it up, the, the press junket game, what would you change? It's a new thing that I would change. I was very contentedly, merrily, happily, successfully going on my way, traveling the world to interview celebrities until COVID. And they figured out a way, Zoom, to, uh, <laughs> to fix that. And as grateful as I am that I was able to keep my job and keep interviewing people. And in a strange, I write about this in my book, Your Home is Your Castle, also because the Zoom thing really saved the business in many ways. I mean, we're, we're speaking now via Zoom, but the, the Zoom enabled the machine to keep going. Uh, people were able to, to earn money, people were able to promote their films. Uh, and in some ways, the celebrities themselves were more at ease and more comfortable because they were in the comfort of their own homes. They were isolated. They didn't have to uh, take selfies or shake hands. Uh, so the Zoom worked out well for the celebrities a lot of time. But for those of us who were asking the questions, it was the beginning of the end for me because it's, it's like a sausage factory. There are a lot of elements to press junkets that are like a sausage factory anyway. Uh, there, there's a very assembly line uh, quality to it. It can be, unless you're clever enough or special enough to make original kinds of interviews, which I've always prided myself on. But Zoom, I'm sorry, I think uh, nine times out of 10, unless you have extraordinary talent on both sides of the Zoom, it sucks. Yep. It just sucks. Yeah. Well, we have been very lucky so far, Nelson, I tell you that. Uh, how yep. often did you feel the falseness in terms of the standard questions that would be asked and the answers given, knowing that people had spoken to 20 other people. 
before that? Oh, well, never, never from mine. And, yeah. uh, you know, because it, it, regardless of like, I knew that I would have to ask at least one question that would be quote unquote generic. I mean, you have to, and that's why you're there. You're there to promote something. But usually because of my history in the business, I've been, I've been in show business for 40 years, more. I started when I was eight. I'm 59 now. So I, I've, I've been in the business forever. And it is my ability to be one degree of separation from anybody I'm speaking to that if I, you know, you're sitting down, you're getting mic'd up. That's another thing you don't get with Zoom. You don't get all that setup time. So you're sitting down there and you go, oh, hey, yeah, I know your chef. Oh, yeah, I know your trainer. Oh, yeah, I slept with your cousin. You know, there's there was always a degree of separation that doesn't exist in Zoom. And that personalizes the conversation. So, yeah, then you ask your generic question and they know at least in my case, they can trust me. Yeah. They can open up with something personal. And you get some publicist in there who, who will say, you can't ask so-and-so about this or that. Don't ask any questions about their dog, their child, their girlfriend, their mother, whatever. Don't do it. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're signing your life away. But if you have the trust, just from that few seconds or minute of, of pre-interview conversation, they trust you and you know what they're going to bring it up themselves yeah i'm always like don't worry i'm not going to ask anything uncomfortable they're going to tell me themselves yep <laughs> i interviewed ryan reynolds like a thousand times and it was always a pleasure and then i don't know the last time they said they wanted to see and he was i don't know it was i didn't even know what the project was it was it was nothing special and uh, they said they wanted to see my questions in advance. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> After, like, I don't, I don't even know what they're going to be in advance. I'm just having a conversation. Uh, okay, yeah, but they insisted on it. They wouldn't, do, they wouldn't give me the interview unless I wrote the questions in advance. So I, I wrote them in advance, and then when I went in for the interview, I sat and I read them off the piece of paper exactly as mm. I had written them. <laughs> so what are you going to do? <laughs> That's it. That's throwing shade. So I've done that once with our first guest, Alison Frazier, and that was more me doing it to say, this is a sign of trust. Like, this is what I plan on asking. So Fair enough. we were six episodes, we had aired five of them, I think, at the time, um, and she was the seventh episode. So, oh, well, I'll, I'll give you some names of some of my high school friends so you can have them on, you know, yeah. it's all about, it's all about who, you know, you know, it, it is, isn't it? <laughs> like that's, we got Kirk Thatcher, Muppets director from asking one of his best friends on the show. So it is all who, you know, Use of separation. Yep. Now, did you ever get sick of asking about Marvel movies? Uh, yes, because I'm a DC fan. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. I'm sorry, folks. That's it for today. Oh wow! Tattoo just so you just so you guys could see it. That Damn. is cool. Oh, and I've got uh, no I've got Aquaman on my leg. No. Oh wow! <laughs> I, you know what? I would not pick you the type for tattoos, wow. Nelson. I don't know why. That's no offense. Covered. Or right. wow, that's cool. Awesome. So I would have picked oh, Evan to be the type. But... He's, he's he's on the side of the dark night. No, I'm um, yeah. Marvel all the way, X Men. No, for tattoos, but you only just recently got your first. Yeah, I would. If I did, it would be 2018. It'd be a British comic. Okay, yeah, Judge Dredd. Yeah, yeah, I'd get like Nemesis the Warlock on my shoulder. Something I'm like gonna that. Yeah. steal both of your lunch money. <laughs> Anyways, um, what cinema? opened your eyes and swept you away as a kid. Hence hence the tattoo on my leg. It's a tribute to Irwin Allen's 1972 disaster epic, The Poseidon Adventure. Oh. And one of my standard songs that I sing, yep. go on YouTube and click, uh, write in Nelson Aspen the morning after, and there I am singing the morning after. Carol Lindley, who played Nani and, and sang the song, um, she became a lifelong friend. She was my favorite movie star. She changed my life, The Poseidon Adventure. Uh, turned me on to my past lives. Uh, I died on an ocean liner in a past life. Like it just goes on and on and on and on. But it was definitely the Poseidon adventure. Anytime I come across it, no matter where it is in the film, and I know every frame of the film, uh, I'm glued until the final credits. Uh, that is, it is definitely mm -hmm. my number number one of all time. I thoroughly agree with that. 
Yeah. Was that, that Shelley? Shelley Winters yeah. was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, nominated, not for one. Playing Belle Rosen. She gained a lot of, no, she did not win. Yeah. She, uh, she gained a lot of weight for that role because the character in the book by Paul Gallico was written as a, as a very obese woman. She put on a lot of weight and she famously c- complained after that that she was never able to lose the weight she gained for the film. Oh, bugger. Uh, I mentioned her, I think a couple, uh, last episode I brought her up with um, slamming the Oscars on the desk saying, there's my audition. She was a tough cookie. I used to see her in LA. She went, yeah. she held court at a coffee shop uh, in West Hollywood and all the gay boys in West Hollywood would gather <laughs> around Shelly to, uh, to, to listen to her stories. Oh, wow. Goodness gracious me. Um, okay. Now you've spent two decades or more more than two decades interviewing every single goddamn celebrity known to man so at, at the end of the day <laughs> not madonna oh not madonna no, never madonna guy Ritchie a couple times yeah. he's hotter than she is anyway yeah that's all right i haven't interviewed madonna either so don't feel bad <laughs> but okay nearly every celebrity except the queen uh the queen of england and the queen of pop <laughs> so at the end of the day at a hot summer's day sitting down on your balcony who is nelson aspen what what grinds your gears and what goes through your mind on on the end of a hot summer's day oh i'm a hot summer mess no <laughs> i'm a, no i'm a i'm a very uh, high energy i'm a morning person i wake up before the sun every morning i like to watch the sunrise we bu- we built our dream home where i'm talking to you from uh specifically so that we have these unbelievable views of the sunrise and the sunset every single day. So those are the two most important moments of my day. I'm a morning person, even though I was talking to Australian morning television when it was not morning for me. uh, I I live in a perpetual state of mourning. And I don't mean morning with an OU. I mean, morning is in woohoo, good morning. Yeah, Um, yeah, I'm a very hyperactive, high energy, sensitive guy i take things personally i take you know i i think it's why i pride myself on being a nice guy and being a gentleman because uh criticism i take it very hard uh i I, maybe i because i was bullied in school i can't take being bullied as an adult and i have managed to keep my nose clean because i don't i i just i just don't think i'm provocative I i use my my brain to create interesting interviews, not controversial interviews. I'm not out to get anybody. I don't want a scoop. I don't need a scoop. I'd rather have an interesting conversation. That's who I am as as a professional. That's who I am as a person. If you come over, we're gonna have an interesting conversation and I will ply you with your choice of beverages. But I'll tell you, there are some very, very famous young people whom I have grown to really care about uh, through multiple interviews and seeing them, you know, young people seem to 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 change faster than those of us over forty. Uh, people, you know, people in their twenties change constantly. And I've I've done a zillion interviews with the likes of Camila Cabello or um, who's her ex boyfriend, Sean <laughs> um, Mendes, uh, Miley Cyrus, uh, and. They're, those are exceptions. They're such smart, talented, uh, and often kind people. Uh, that, very impressive. Very impressive. I, I like to say they're old souls because they don't seem to get uh, influenced by the, the craziness of fame. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, while we're on younger people, if 10-year-old Nelson suddenly popped out of a time portal, Aww. a DC flash time portal, not a Marvel Ant-Man one, <laughs> what so advice? Could this be an alternate Earth so it doesn't matter? Silver Age Flash, Jay Garrick, or, or Golden Age Flash, Barry Allen. Okay, I got you. Ten-year-old Nelson, what? <laughs> Whichever one was John Wesley's ship. Oh, another pal from my old soap opera days. Oh, okay, wow. yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah. Don't tell him I said that then. Okay, yeah, okay. What advice would he give you? Ten-year-old Nelson pops up. What advice would he uh, say to you? Nelson, you've got to remember this. That's really interesting. Um it's funny. I'm going to be very diplomatic and I'm not going to go into detail, but I will for reasons I can't explain. Yep. No, that's fine. Ten year old <laughs> would say your parents are always right. Yep. I believed that when I was 10, I didn't believe it as an adult. And now <laughs> the older I'm getting and now that my parents are gone, yep. my parents were always right. Yep. 
Oh, there you go. Um, well, that's because you don't live in this house, Nelson. Because <laughs> are your me. parents there? <laughs> yes. 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 My, my dad's eighty-two. Yeah. <laughs> An 82 British-born yeah. Australian naval son. Enjoy every minute <laughs> yes. you have with him. Yeah. It's yeah. actually been yeah. quite peaceful with him. Anyways, uh, it's October. So what was the last, when was the last time you screamed during a horror movie? Um, contrary to popular belief, I'm not a screamer. I will confess if something looks like it's going to happen, you know, when, when the build up to the scary thing happens, I just close my eyes yep. and wait it out. Yep. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know, but I, I was funny. I was just talking about this yesterday. On somebody posted a color photograph from behind the scenes of Night of the Living Dead, oh, nice. and I had to comment on it, saying Night of the, and it, it was it was an amazing color photo of the cast looking like real normal people and not zombies. And I have such vivid recollections of that being the first horror movie I ever saw. My parents took me to the drive-in, and we were at the drive-in yeah. watching Night of the Living Dead. And my parents were like, oh, shoot, we shouldn't have brought the kids <laughs> to this. It's too scary. And I loved it. And I was obsessed and still am with that film and loved cemeteries. And I would I would take picnics into the cemeteries. I'm obsessed with with ghouls. And and I love that stuff. It is still my favorite horror movie of all time. Night of the Living Dead, the original George Romero version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, say no. Oh, definitely. Awesome. Yeah, you're not alive if you haven't seen that. Yeah, I've got it on DVD, if you're talking to me there. Um, or our listeners at home, you're better off. Uh, but uh, have you ever been to a screening at the Hollywood Forever? Yes, I have. Oh, have you? Yes, oh, I wow. have. I've also That's gone nice. and done uh, rubbings of the tombstones. I've spent a lot of time in the Forest Lawn Cemetery in Hollywood be- yep. for news stories. Like, um, you know, whenever, I think Michael Jackson ended up being buried there, and I was, oh, like, yeah. standing out in the sun for three days for that, reporting. Oh, God, yeah, that was a circus. Uh, Michael Jackson kept me on the road for about a year wow. and a half. In his- Oh God, and he wasn't even alive. He never bothered me when he was alive. Yeah, goodness me. Okay, now in your latest book, Your Home is Your Castle, what could Evan do to liven up that drab Summer of Sam background that he has? I don't know. I'm pretty impressed with his tools. Uh, And they're very neatly organized (laughs) and they're, they're... Sorry, I took that the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I was... That was bleeds into my question about the book like how handy do you have to be are we talking you know shears pelmets and drapes or are we talking knocking down walls you obviously have not purchased the book yet you have to get onto amazon and get yourself a copy of the book because i am not a design expert what i am is a home owner and an interviewer and so what I, this, the whole book is not me preaching about what to do or not to do. It's what I have learned through my experience of building my own dream home and the professionals that I've hired to bring in and help me. And it's not about being fancy. It's, it's just about blooming where you're planted and making the most of the things you like and love and need, especially post COVID. If you're going to have to work from home, if you're going to have to teach your kids school from home, if you're going to work out and exercise at home, your home is not just the place where you eat and sleep. Now it's this whole other world where you have to accomplish all these other things. And I know for so many years, DIY was a thing. Do it yourself. And all the TV shows are DIY. And I'm starting a new genre, HAP, hire a professional. And that's (laughs) what I want to do. I want to do a show where I take you, you know, somebody like Evan is like, how, what do I do with my tool shed? I've got to make it a functioning podcast studio. Well, I'm going to bring in the professional team to, to figure out how to make it work for you. Maybe it's the tool shed on one side and the podcast studio on the other. Whatever you're doing is great for now, but it has to be a place where you can bloom. Yeah, it is usually inside with a arcade machine yeah, behind him that he built himself wow i have an office set up i'm just yeah, yeah just not there today i'm actually upholstering some furniture at the moment oh are you oh is that why you sound high yeah well i've quit my job <laughs> to build furniture you know this is a i'm building a window seat yeah so yeah a good upholsterer is very hard to find. I, it's it's a that is a, that is an art form that is not something you want to diy no now who would be in your VH1 Divas Live? Oh, uh, of course, Lady Gaga. Yeah. Um, Bonnie Raitt. Oh, wow. That's a good choice. And a new one. Uh, and Miley Cyrus. Yeah, why not Miley Cyrus? 
And, you know, ever since she started doing her talk show, Kelly Clarkson has lost a little bit of her musical mojo, I think. But she's got it. She's tremendous. And I think we just know her now as the squeaky clean talk show host. But she's uh, she's a badass. Yeah, that my December album is fantastic. I always say that. Anyways, lastly, a childhood memory that still makes you laugh today. Mm, laugh or cringe. Uh, um, well, the the first time I met my favorite movie star, Carol Lindley, yeah. who sang The Morning After and The Poseidon Adventure, I, wa- I was in love with her beyond words. And I was 14 years old and my mom brought me to New York City to see her in a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. And we waited outside the stage door for her to emerge. And it was a cloudy day. And my mother had the camera and cameras mm-hmm. back in those days in the 70s had a flash cube that turned mm-hmm. on the top of the on the camera. And uh, she shoved me toward Carol Lindley to take the photo and the, the bulb didn't flash and it didn't turn and it was a cloudy day. And when we waited for the pictures to come back from the developer, which is what you did in those days, all you saw were two silhouettes and it broke my heart because I didn't have the photographic evidence that I had met my favorite movie star. Uh, a year later, I was sitting, having lunch with Carol Lindley. I was 15 years old. 200 pounds with a giant Afro Brady Bunch kind of hairdo. And we became lifelong friends until her passing, I think in 2019. Uh, So we had this marvelous journey together, Carol and I, and her body of work, there's some real stinkers, but she did some beautiful films as well. So she's another one worth Googling, Carol Lindley. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, lovely. What a shame the photo didn't turn out. Oh, that's all right. We had we had lifetimes of photos and TV stuff after that. And uh, dear, 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 dear friends uh, for the rest of her life. Uh, there is a very good biography of Carol Lindley called uh, Carol, La- Carol Lindley Lady in Peril because she she always looked so beautiful when she was screaming that she played roles where she was constantly being chased, murdered, tortured, kidnapped, whatever. And uh, I wrote the forward to that book, which was a privilege and a pleasure. Yeah, oh, lovely. Oh, anyway, so it has been a joy. <laughs> After 10 years, we got there finally. Well, let's not wait another 10 to do it again. If you, if you get a guest who backs out and you need, you need somebody to pinch hit, that... I'll just give me a buzz. You can always find me on social media. Please do. There is an open door. There is an open door. Anytime you want to bring all the stories, please do. We want all the gossip, (laughs) all the tea. Telethon this weekend, weekend coming. I'll be at uh, Telethon the weekend of October 22nd, Earth Telethon. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a concert there at the Crown. Ah, nice. Was was there recently. And uh, Hawk the Book. Hawk the book, hawk the book, and uh, we'll see where I turn up next. I don't know. I hope I turn up somewhere. I, I keep saying, I want. Melbourne. You never know if I could be one of those masked singers. I'd be for that. Yeah. <laughs> Intent. What about celebrity drag race? Would you do a, a celebrity drag race? I, I'll do anything. I won't do the. Uh, I won't like jump out of a plane or get buried with snakes or eat worms. But you know, <laughs> I can dance. I can sing. I can. You know, I just don't want to eat worms. <laughs> no survivor. Yeah. What would be your drag name if you're on? Oh, do you have a rule about drag names? Is there like the street you live on or the middle name? No, or... no, no. I, I like puns myself, but I don't care. Oh, I'm trying to. Like, my best friend came up with the best drag. Na- oh, yeah. Okay. I got it. My drag name would be. <laughs> you ready? Yep. Mini Van Rental. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I love it. That's a good one. I love it because mine's Rose Carla Glasses. So <laughs> I like a, a three-word pun. That's the thinking man's drag name. That is, yes, I am. Well, I hope my humor is thinking man's humor. But anyways, as I say, it's been an absolute joy. Now, when you're on the plane on the way here, you can think about you are coming to a country that allows us two idiots to have a microphone so uh, you can reminisce about that but anyways where can people find you on the social medias so easy at nelson aspen yep. um i'm i don't do facebook but instagram twitter youtube and my website nelsonaspen.com i'm everywhere come find me yep and as i say if you look up on youtube now say type in nelson aspen sunrise the amount of people that you have interviewed so i i hope i lived up to your legacy that you have laid out for people like me yeah now 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 we get to interview you yeah i am so flattered humbled it was fun it was super it's the, uh, thank you thank you thank you 
Uh, it's nice to be an honorary Aussie when I meet Aussies like you. Yes, that's it. Now, anytime you are welcome. So, anyways, thank you so much for your time. Yes. Thanks, guys. Good day. Uh, to you at home, you take care, and we shall see you next time. Hooroo! Thank you so much. See ya.